The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Asalaamu Alaikum, you're back with Sister Speak and you're back with me, Sadia. And me, Mariam. And it's just us in the studio today. The fun, other fun, girls fun. couldn't make it. Busy, busy lives. Well, is Pfizer not it's coming? It's crazy. No, Pfizer's still at work. Um, yeah, which is uh, she's our main presenter. If you're listening to this, Pfizer, we missed you. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. And Mariam's back after a while as well. Yeah, this is your last really, show for a while, isn't it? Yeah, I really missed it. It's because I've been trying to like get adjust to university. So mm. I've been like, I don't go to university in Luton, so it's just a bit hard yeah. to come. Yeah, third year life. Third year. It's not myth. It's real. The struggle is real. It's yeah. real. The struggle is so real. I say I, that, but I my third year I didn't do that much work. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's different for me because I had a transition from placement year mm-hmm. to final year and I literally don't know anyone and I don't know oh, why. Yeah. I don't know why my university might actually, let's just say my school of humanities, just love group work. So how's it like managing social life as well? Do, are you trying to... I don't have anyone. No? <laughs> and, I'm, and the funny thing is I don't have anyone but I'm being so ambitious and running for elections next week which is going to be Ooh, fun. Oh, good luck. Yeah. But let's talk about that more <coughs> later, yeah? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's get yeah, to so Maren, would you like to tell everybody what our show is about? So please? our show is a platform for Muslim girls to voice their own opinions on current events and issues and even form discussions on general topics such as religion, culture, politics and social media. We want to know that all opinions and views are our own and we respect all other opposing views. If you want to join our discussion, please do call us on 01582481822 or you can WhatsApp us on 0779481822. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's what our show is about. We've been doing this for a good four years now. Three, yeah. four years. It's been, it's been Sadia, a long road. Sadia has just come back and just come I've literally, back. I've literally come back. So I've just been like studying in Cardiff for the last three years. It's crazy. It does not feel like I've barely not been on this show. I'm sure you. it feels like it for you guys because you've actually been here and it's like, oh, Sadia's never here. Yeah, But that's for me, true. it's like, oh, I'm just back. Like, this is just what I do when I'm back in Luton. I'm back on the show. It just feels so good. It feels so, like home. It does feel like, it feels like I feel like it's just a great way to unload <laughs> yeah it is it's it, so therapeutic like it before you're so tired and then you come into the studio and it just we're not just saying this for the rolling. sake of it I actually came back just so I can lo- unload <laughs> well, I can't wait for your three weeks <laughs> three weeks <laughs> three weeks oh so today um we're going to be talking about uh so our main topic today is the concept of identity you know questions like what is your identity what builds what makes up an identity um, has th- has has your identity changed? Uh, so we'll be expanding on that in the second half of the show. But first, we're going to be doing some hot topics. For example, we're going to be talking about the England versus Bulgaria game, um, the racism to do with that, and also um, extinction rebellion. Uh, we're going to be exploring, you know, the concept of protests and its impacts. But first, we like to do a little segment before the show to warm things up, and that is our thoughts of the week. So, Mariam, you said you have loads to unload go ahead so if anyone has been following our show and i tend to talk about my university life and before i even say that there was a student i want to give a shout out to a student that met me in university and said they listened to us on the radio show and just recognized my voice shout out to you well done for listening (laughs) but anyways um back to the actual main show so um my thought of the week is about Taking one step at a time. Taking one step, thing, no, taking everything and everything that you are doing um, in 
how do I explain this? I think one thing that I've been experiencing is that this overwhelming feeling because everything has been jumping on top of me. Um, and for me, it's just taking one step at a time. Um, and I think that's my main thought of the week is to be able to kind of organize yourself um, and not allow yourself to feel so demoralized when things are not going your way. I think I think the greatest defeat is when you are demoralized. Demoralized. I don't know why I can't speak today. Mm. So, um, yeah, so my thought of the week is really is about just taking things slow. Don't do things in haste. Mm -hmm. Take one thing at a time. Um, because especially when I started university and I saw I have four modules to do simultaneously, even though I did that for two years, it was such a massive like shock to my system because I was working full time for an entire year and that transition was really rough for me. Um, so for me, I was really like struggling in how, like grappling with the whole concept of you know going to lectures, doing seminars, and then on top of that, doing the four books a, a week I have to read. My goodness. Yeah, four entire books, which are like four hundred pages, and then they have very complex um, themes inside, and then we have to unpack them, and then we have to do secondary reading because it's final year. You do English, don't you? I Crazy do English thing. literature. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So I have to unpack all these ideas, and to the point where one of my modules actually has a disclaimer saying, you know, if any of these themes or uh, topics are disturbing for you you don't have to go to the class because it's very it's 21st century literature so you can imagine the type of things that we have to deal with that's mm. happening right now um and so it's just also also that feeling of not knowing anyone as well but the positive side of it you know i'm slowly settling in um and the whole concept is that i've been taking one thing out of time trying to plan my week i think one of my friends uh, who's becoming a doctor said to me Ooh. yeah he's becoming a doctor he said to me that the, the when because he's going to specialize in mental health um and he said the best way to tackle um that overwhelming feeling or you know that those un anxiety feelings is by um planning your week out and dedicating each day to something so it's more manageable i think that's the main concept making making all your workload and imagine in a manageable way so um, one thing i do is just i don't know what degrees you guys do but i have to read a lot of books i read 50 pages at a time i know that sounds a lot to everyone but yeah <laughs> i'm still trying to finish the same book that i've been reading for the last month so oh no <laughs> <laughs> but i have to if i want to complete like say one book i'll give myself three days and i read 50 pages at a time so then it doesn't seem that much um to me so then i'm able to read all the books that are necessary and also just find different strategies that work for you um another thing is learning your own work styles so um before I used to really like working in the morning, but I can't do it anymore. I, just mm -hmm. really can't, I can't. So you just have to kind of adjust and adapt to what your learning style is mm -hmm. and kind of figure it out. Um, and the third thing would be balance, have a work balance between social life and work life. Work life yeah. Because I remember the f one of the mistakes I made in my first year, I just solely dedicated myself to studies, but it made yeah. me so unhappy. And that really reflected on my results. Um, and then I was literally on the brink of 2-1. Um, onto one and then in my second year I started to do extracurricular activities mm. um, I became more social and then I became two percent I was two marks off first yeah so it really shows that you know when you actually have a balance in terms of work and your social life it really does help you to um, feel fresh yeah um, and I think that's something I'm struggling this year because I think I'm going back to my work uh, focus mm -hmm. um, because I don't know anyone and I'm not running a society this year, but I'm trying to get involved. But radio is my thing now, so. <laughs> no, I totally agree with the whole work-life balance, especially for yeah. university, because yeah. I feel like now that I'm out of university, like recently I went to a job interview and um, 
all the stuff that they were really impressed with were the things that I did alongside uni, 100%. like my society stuff, my work experience, my internships and 100%. stuff. And I just thought like, if I was the type of person who only stuck to um, you know, studying all the time and my education ended up like getting a fair shore, but then not having all that experience on the side, yeah. I wouldn't be getting 100% these jobs. That's something I had an interview experience actually. so important. Yeah, in, in, I had an interview last week and all the interview questions, if I didn't do any extracurricular activities, mm. how would I respond to it? Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't have any substance. And I think they're not going to ask you, you know, what theories you've learned. They're going to see how did you interact with another person? How did you work in a team? Show me your leadership skills. Show me your communication yeah. skills. How are you going to um, show examples of that if you don't do extracurricular activities? So yeah. in that sense, I really do urge people to join um, societies or do something extra other than your university. It doesn't have 100%. to be societies because one of the first things I did was ring, join radio and I didn't even uh, join societies then. Mm -hmm. So Is this a radio in your university? No, this radio. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My loyalty. Like, are you doing two radio shows? I uh, know, actually, I started a radio show on campus uh, as well oh. last year. Yeah. And do you know what it's called? <laughs> what is it? Don't tell me it's Sister Speak no. 2.0 or something. Student Speak? No! <laughs> And students oh, absolutely love it. I'm disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really good. Yeah, so it's, uh, and um, yeah, it's just, I think it's just trying to find that balance and look after yourself. I think what's something that we always talk about is self-care. Mm -hmm. In your final year, you really need to take onus on yourself and look yeah. after yourself. Yeah, I think in my final year, I was the most social that I've ever been in my whole university life, which was a really bad way of doing things. And I, I was think in like my three second societies. year was that. I think my yeah. second year was extremely I should have social. done it in second year. <laughs> no, I think honest. second year was good. Uh, but yeah. also I did a placement year. So I had more leverage to actually do more social things in my placement year because I didn't have assignments. I uh -huh. just worked. So, And my placement was in university. So I just, so I was just carried mm. on. That's good. Cool. So, uh, yeah, moving on to my thought of the week. Oh, we've got about two minutes. So my thought of the week was, um, so I remember in my internship over the summer, I, I was talking with my colleagues who were a lot older than me and I was just asking for general advice. I'd be like, I was a bit like, what? Just, just give me some advice in life. What would you say to someone who is 22 going into, you know, real life? And they just said, well, they said a lot of things, but one thing that stuck to me was that, <laughs> things work out in the end and I was like do they because <laughs> at this point I was like so I've got two weeks left of my internship and I don't know what I'm going to do after this um but yeah no things work out in the end uh things seem like you know they're exploding at the, in the moment they're just everything's just going wrong in the moment but they do slowly unfold and work out because let's be real we've got how many years left of life really well unless of course you know we just we can die anytime, but let's be honest. Like generally, I'm 22. I've probably, if I if nothing happens just abruptly, I could last until I'm 80. I've got 60 years left until of of life, and I'm panicking over like little things um, that can be solved within a week or two of like applying for job applications. And it has worked out like that because I realised like I applied. For, I had a few weeks at home after my internship. I worked, moved back home and I just applied for some jobs and I got a really, really good uh, interview back and it just, and then I got oh, another interview back. Thank you. Um, and then got like temp work and stuff and radio stuff is happening again. It just feels like everything's coming back together after mm. a few weeks of just feeling like a disaster. So that's been quite a nice realisation. I think that's I mean. something I've been feeling as well since... Um, 
uh, that's something I've been feeling since I came to um, when I started university. Everything felt like it was piling on top of me, yeah. but slowly now everything feels like it's unpacking and it's I'm adjusting and everything seems quite fine. I think just give yourself time mm-hmm. and don't just live in the moment. In, in when you're really really worked up with um, certain things happening to you, just live in the moment because instead of you know investing yourself and living in the future, that's where the anxiety comes from. So like Sadia said. Um, just try to just try to have a bit of hope. I think we'll be hopeful. Thank you. So we were just doing our thoughts of the week. Um, and now we're going to move on to um, our hot topics. Oh, by the way, um, Mariam, could you just let everyone know what to call in and text in on if they have any yeah, contributions? If you, to, if you want to join our discussion, you can WhatsApp us on 0777-948-1822. Or you can call us on 01582-481822. Or you can talk, text us on sisterspeak at sisterspeak on Instagram. Thank you. Uh, so today's topic is going to be on identity. But before we do that, we uh, usually delve into some hot topics that we just want to talk about, things that might have been, um, you know, brought up in the news, things we might have seen on social media, just things that seem interesting that have just come up and we just want to discuss because we can. Um, so our first one is going to be uh, the football game between Bulgaria and England that happened recently. I'm not well, I'm so sure when it was, maybe it was yesterday or the day before, I'm not sure. Um, and we're going to be talking about the uh, racist incidents that occurred around that. Now, I... Just want to put it out there. I don't watch football. <laughs> Maram, do you watch football? No, I don't. No, but we're, we're still going to discuss it. We're just going to discuss it. We don't watch football. Um, we're not very engaged with football at all. But we um, are advocates against racism. 100%. 100%. And so what happened here was, uh, so from my research, uh, what has happened here was that there was a game between England and Bulgaria. England won 6-0. Six, uh, so that's what you say, right? So is it six now? Like six so. to zero? Don't, don't laugh at us because, just because we can't say it. <laughs> yeah, excuse my football jargon. I'm going to say this show instead of the game at one point. Um, there was, uh, so of course this game was going on, but there was a lot of racism from um, many of the uh, crowd. The crowd on uh, the Bulgaria side. This happened in Bulgaria, by the way, the match in Sofia. And this included like uh, people chanting racial slurs and also um, horrifically a lot of uh, Nazi salutes from the crowds. So racism within football, from what I've seen over the years, is nothing new. Um, There have been several racist uh, incidents against many, um, you know, black and Asian uh, footballers from several teams in the world. This topic has come up again and again and again to the point where I saw this whole thing going on on Twitter yesterday and I just didn't even bother to look at it because I thought, oh, it's just it's just racism in football again, nothing new. But um, no, a main presenter, Pfizer, she was like, no, you should do this. It, it's, it's really big. And I see like how it is big now because apparently um, the president of... No, sorry, the Prime Minister of Bulgaria actually stated that the government would freeze all funding in relations to the Bulgarian Football's Union until the um, Bulgarian, uh, until their president of the BFU would resign. And he did over this incident, which is a really big deal. When I read that, I was like, wow, that's quite shocking. Yeah, actions were taken. 
<clears throat> it should be. It Absolutely. should. It should. It sends a strong message to all the other teams around the world that this is not tolerated. It's unacceptable. Yeah. Even Boris Johnson qu- uh, condemned the attack as a vile, racist, uh, you know, incident, which I find quite interesting. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the thing is, before this attack. Sorry, I say attack. Before this racist incident, before this game, there apparently was already so, like a partial stadium closure, warnings, and pre-match talks because there's there already had been like racist incidents around the football in Bulgaria oh, wow. already occurring. So they had this kind of pre-warning. Yeah, this anxiety. This anxiety. Guys. Yeah, beforehand. And um, <clears throat> sorry, now I wanted to ask though. The, uh, there was a question that was I was watching a video of two guys that were talking about the match and they were mentioned how the um, England team, despite all the racing that was going on and that they could see witness, they decided to continue playing in the game instead of walking off. Now they were going to go into a debate on whether it would have been, would it have been better to just walk off and say, no, I'm not going to stand this, this abuse any longer. Or would it have been better to, well, what they did and they just continued playing and they won the match and they made their statement there. So what do you think there? What would be a better statement just being like, no, I refuse or continuing? Um, <clears throat> I think I think it came to our attention because there was a point. Um, we're talking about England, England specifically, right? Yeah. So the, the, quest- the, so quest- the question racism. is, should what should they have done? In should, that? How should have the England um, reacted, either play or not? Is that what you're saying? Sorry, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just... Sorry. Um, I think I think it can go both ways. I think there's I think there's both sides of it. I think yeah. by winning, um, it does show that you know regardless of what statements they said, um, it doesn't have any currency to it, and we're just going to play, right? But at the same time, um, it could be seen as by continuing to play, uh, it they you have they had they did acknowledge it in terms of of course you know it comes to our attention. But it doesn't show any resilience against it. It mm. could be argued that there's no resi- resilience against playing. So if they were to come off, you would see this. That's sort of a t- um, form of protest, yeah. which we're going to discuss later on the show. Yeah, yeah that's going to be quite interesting, I think. And yeah. I think them p- continuing to play is such an example of how people of colour have to just continue. Yeah, hundred percent against racism in life in general. 100%. Because okay, so we are seeing this uh, abuse on our screens today. Uh, it's but for a lot of people this is nothing new like I said I wasn't surprised when I saw it um I just kind of flicked through because I thought oh racism again in football but do you think but I think it does like this whole thing just highlights Mm. what goes on in the world in general um and it shows it on a platform which is massive this is what the UEFA but if you if they were not to play and the whole because football is a game played by the whole world yeah and if they were resilient to it because of those racist remarks and they came off the pitch that would have sent a very strong message because the whole uh, i would say arguably some of the football culture is based on you know using these slurs right to some extent to some extent um so by we by, should we're saying it shouldn't be by the way we're saying it shouldn't be <laughs> of course uh, that's what i'm saying so you know by by take coming off the coming off the pitch i think it would debunk the idea like, and showing the resilience against this kind of culture that is not acceptable. I mean, you know, we've seen it just on the screens happening in, between England and Bulgaria. Yeah. And therefore, you can see that as a culture, it's manifested. Mm. Um, so I would say, I think it 
how they responded it ha does have its positivity because you know those they didn't give currency to those m remarks they continued to play they showed what they're capable of and yeah. they and they won in such an amazing way mm -hmm. right but at the same time people who do suffer racism and uh, racial abuse and things like that does it does it so, does it have that repercussion of saying that if you are, you know, um, experiencing this, you just have to go on. I mean, mm. it, things have to go on, right? And I think it shouldn't, it's to, to some extent, it shouldn't be like that. I don't think, I think there should be some resistance against yeah. it. And I think it should, if it wasn't a massive platform, that resistance could have infiltrated into yeah. um, other groups, smaller groups who do this. I think either way, the way that they yeah. would have played it out would have advantage. They yeah, uh, have so yeah. much respect for the people who had to suffer through the footballers who had to suffer 100%. through this. I'm sure they've yeah. probably gone through so many other situations. Yeah. Maybe not to this extent, but racist incidents. I know there's loads of uh, you know abuse that are thrown amongst these footballers on a day to day, like on the news and you know, certain tabloids, newspapers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I'm glad that it's being spoken about 100 percent. i'm glad it's on the it's a global level now yeah it's not showing that oh look this is a new thing it's more like oh look this happens this happens a lot what are you going to do about it to the people at the top so now we're yes, going to go to break assalamu alaikum this is atif nawaz listen to inspire fm shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on apple podcasts or spotify Hello, you are back with Sisters Speak. Um, before the break, we were talking about, uh, we just did our thoughts of the week, and then we started talking about the um, racist abuse in the Bulgaria versus England football match. And now we're kind of done with that. Um, to all those who listen to our little talk conversation about football, just want to say once again, we know nothing about football. But we know about it. We know about this situation, just about, just about. It but was a think, hot topic. But we saw it as being yeah. important and we wanted to address it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now we're going to go to a different topic and that is the extinct Extinction Rebellion protests. Marim, have you heard of this, these protests? I didn't hear it in terms of the phrase that you just said, but I've, I've heard about it loosely. Mm -hmm. So there's been protests against climate change. I haven't really um, grappled with the terminology that you've been using, but yeah, I yeah. I, I know that this this is happening and it's materialising and it's happening um, across the world actually, not even just in the UK. I've heard it's been happening in America yeah, yeah. as well. So yeah, no, Extinction Rebellion is the name of the um, would you call them a group? Maybe organisation. They've they they're basically they have one cause and that is to fight climate change um, and bring this attention to governments and force them to create change through protests and this is yeah throughout the world um so these uh protests have been going on um you know in parliament throughout london and there's been conversation around um protests in general because it's been very disruptive um you know like people have said that they the, these protests are fighting for our right to live you know for a long time because climate change you know is going to dramatically limit the existence of human existence um and they're saying you're doing this but you're blocking off roads and ambulances and mm. let's yeah 
a lot of people are saying that there are a lot of everyday people who are trying to get on with their lives, go to work, make a living, um, and this is stopping that. So, But then the other side is, well, protest is supposed to be disruptive. You're not going to cause change unless you're bothering someone. You can't just write letters about climate change and expect someone to answer when this um you know climate change is such a immediate threat to uh, our lives so what would you say would, would what what's your take in this do you think no there it maybe they should calm down a little bit or no I they think, should continue because this um, is important i think if they didn't disrupt anyone then we wouldn't know about it number one so it yeah. does it draws attention um number two i think um Initially, they have they have like set the bar and they've made their made their um, protest very visible. Um, but to continue to do it, I'm not entirely sure because, again, like you said, if you're blocking a road um, and an ambulance takes two seconds um, more to get to the um, hospital, and that person is in need um, for life support, do I see doing these protests as important, or do I see the life that's present more valuable? I would say the life that's present um i'm gonna play devil's I, I know, wait, but wait <laughs> <laughs> but um um yeah so i think you know it, it does i i see from both sides because without to make change you do need to disrupt and you do need to kind of um break the stretch those barriers mm-hmm. but at the same time you need to consider other people um and be considerate to other people you know i try to try to make less damage as possible i think okay Okay, so I'm going to give you a little utilitarian argument here and say, sure, maybe you'll, um, yes, these lives are important. Yeah, of course. Of course, 100% they're important. However, by protesting, are they arguably saving many more lives if they do create this change? Isn't this more important in the long run? But then how... hmm. In the long run, yeah, they go, they'll try to, but how much, so this, this has been going on forever and ha, and there's been uh, protests forever. So they've been doing protests, but not in this uh, extent and this extreme. Um, has there been, have there, has there been intervention? Have the people consider it? Um, and how much of the results safe in other campaigns, you know, in terms of protests, you know, how much of mitigation has happened mm-hmm. as a result of it? So we need to look at that as well. Mariam, I know you you know your history and your politics. So if we look at several protests I throughout the world. <laughs> you do, you do. You do to, uh, to an extent. So from protests I do literature. The world, I read books. No, but you know it. You know what I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> from protests that you've studied. So if you're talking about civil rights movement or even India, Gandhi, you know, protesting against the British government. Right. Have any of these succeeded without damage without human lives people literally even uh you know the right the pro- pro- women protesting for their right to vote people yeah, died like this. yeah of course isn't it more worthwhile in the long run for this damage to occur for people to not go to their workplaces um you know be a bit late and eventually create this change that will you know allow our children to have better futures or should we just be more convenient because convenience is not the point. It's not the point. I, I see that. I do see that. And I, I do agree with you that you know, the greatest movements have 
um, had the most like. And isn't this the most important cause of the war? Because this is literally the for the entire. Okay, world. I'm convinced. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is still a radio show, so I'm still gonna say it. <laughs> uh, so no, I do agree with that, but I think you know also. Um, this might sound a bit ridiculous, but if we are closing roads, okay, this, sound, this might completely fail me. But if you're closing roads yeah. for these protests, you have to create diversions, yeah. right? And the more diversions you create, isn't that more um, pollution? This that might sound really weird, but I think that's what I'm thinking. What? I don't know. <laughs> so, for example, okay, so for example, if oh, I, you mean say for example, cars. I'm traveling, yeah, in terms of cars and transport. So, if I'm traveling, say, from A to B, but then um, A to B, is th- th- that that route is being used for protest, then I have to go to through A to C to D, then go to B. I'm I'm have to travel more through public transport or even just using a car which yeah. is com- uh, contributing to climate change even more to go and to, to facilitate the protest that is for climate change I think that's quite y- counteracting yeah I guess so but I don't think you can consider every single detail I in this know, whole thing situation every, you can't consider every situation but if the whole main campaign is that I think they should find more sustainable and more viable ways if it's going to be then that person who's like driving around is going to be irritated and be like just give them what they want I don't know and then every loads of people are going to complain and then the government's going to be like okay what the heck am I supposed to do about this that is also true that's actually very true as well. Yeah, I see. I see both sides. Um, so let's see. We we'll see in the passage of time how much of an impact we can make. I, I mean, hope so. I recycle, can. so I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep recycling. Um, let's keep doing our bit. Yeah, I think. I think. I out. think the main thing that we can say that not everybody can do something. You know, everybody can create, um, do a contribution. And I think, you know... I really want to go to one of these protests. um, I want to ask you a question. Oh. What do you think about this whole plastic straw business? Um, Yeah, yeah. Like, the alternative using paper. What do you think about that? (laughs) This just reminded me of this thing that my sister says, apparently, Visco girls go... Save the turtles. <laughs> That's what she was telling. She's 13. And she says, um, this is what all these like YouTube girls say as they have their Starbucks, apparently. Anyway. Um, sorry, what was the question? It's not about Starbucks. Paper straws, right. Paper straws. Um, it's a good initiative. Um, I think little changes do need to be made because... Uh, I I can't remember where I saw it, but the amount of paper, like the amount of plastic straws that we dispose of every single day, is ridiculous. Uh, many animals die as a result of that, so I do see the point. I guess it is quite inconvenient when you're having your milkshake from McDonald's. That's that's the one drink that everyone keeps everyone keeps mentioning. Milkshakes from McDonald's are really inconvenient to drink with. Plastic so if, you, if one straw, well, if one straw fails you because it's so soggy, then you're gonna get you're going to get another. Then straw. get yourself a metal straw. <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess yeah, yeah, and then there's also the matter of okay, so you have the paper straw, but then you still got the plastic lid, and but if you have a paper else. straw, you're cutting down more trees, and then we need oxygen. But you could recycle trees. That's true. easier, and it's not going to go like That's in the true. ocean, and like animals aren't going to choke on it. It's disposable, uh, just de- biodegradable. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Was uh, there was um I think I don't know exactly which month it is, but there is a plastic free month. I can't remember. I think it's July, and one of my colleagues were, was taking it very seriously, and it really oh, respect to them. It's hard. It's so hard. I it really drew attention to how much plastic we use. Even she didn't have ice cream because the spoon was plastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. It it really shocked me. Like how everything has plastic. Everything has plastic in it. 
Yeah, no, I like watched some videos and it just showed like how much plastic you'd be using in a week and it's disgusting. Can it you imagine disgusting. just us was one person wasting all of this plastic and then imagine us over a month. Imagine two people over a month. It's just a lot. There's how many of us in this world? Seven billion now? Whoa. Poor we need to be more. We, I think we need to be more accountable to... Yeah, we don't have another earth, man. Pardon? We don't have another earth. We don't have another earth. Mm. And I think a lot of us are about are quite like, mm, oh well, if it if it dies, I'm it's, not going to be here. Yeah, and I think everyone has that uh, misconception. It's just one, mm. just one straw. But if everyone says just one, it's seven billion straws. Yeah, I wish we had Zanira here today. Like Zanira is our um, like she she's a Muslim hijabi woman, and she like talks about uh, the environment in terms of you know how we should be treated in, in Islam. And yeah. like I really want to get her on. Okay, we'll we'll bring, we'll bring her on one day. But I think inshallah. In terms of the Islamic perspective, come on. <laughs> in terms of the Islamic perspective, we should look after the planet. We should, you know, um, we should. Mm. Know, there's, there's no wasted in, wasted in Islam. So you know, if you don't need something um, and it's unnecessary, we're not really supposed to. We're not encouraged to use that thing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, if you can buy a metal straw, for example, and it's available to you, and you drink a lot of milkshakes, then buy that straw. And in and in that sense, also you have that intention of you know saving the planet and it might seem so um small to you that you know you're just having a small little intention but actually you will get rewarded for that by just by having that intention you know you want to save the planet and you want to become more greener so in that sense i think you know bringing the islamic perspective is important because it shows that you have accountability not to just humans but environment too yeah so okay i think we should wrap up there on those hot topics um so it's anyone had any text then oh <laughs> Tarek just said not only mcdonald's other milkshakes are available <laughs> other milkshakes are available uh, dotted around that is correct <laughs> can confirm other milkshakes are available in the world what's your favorite milkshake i'm not a milkshake person I'm I'm i like t- i can't even drink cow milk anymore it just g- gives me spots I've I've like made that transition into soy milk and stuff like that. I yeah, I don't drink milk it. either. Yeah. The only thing I have milk is a tea. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I enjoy a milkshake for a little while and then it just gets a bit sickening for me. Yeah, I don't really like milkshakes either. Fair. I like green tea. I'm starting to really like green tea. Green tea is, so, green tea is very like good. Tea. Green tea is very good for anxiety. If anyone has ah, anxiety, it's very good for anxiety. Half peppermint. I don't know if I can adjust to that flavour. It tastes really good. Does it's it? really refreshing. Yeah. All right, I'll try that. Cool. Next, anyway, next tour of the week. Peppermint tea endorsement. No, I'm joking. We were not paid for this advert. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go into the main topic in the last 15 minutes of the show, and that is identity. <clears throat> so, Mariam, what would you identify yourself as? Muslim. No, is that it? 100% just... I think who I- are you? Just... I think I'm Mariam. That's my identity. <laughs> There's a lot of Mariams out there. Who else? What is, what, who is Mariam? But to me, I'm Mariam. So yeah. I'm Mariam. That's how, that's how I introduce myself. I'm Mariam. Yeah. So that's me. I think my identity has a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I identify with, obviously, my religion first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I identify with my culture. I think it's always been that way. I identify myself as a Muslim first before I identify myself as a Bengali. Yeah. I think that's just always been the way. Um, and I think even the way uh, I've been raised and even even the things that I do, I think I'm more inclined to... Um, I think I just find... I feel, I feel like religion is more empowering and 
it's more flexible I feel like sometimes I feel like culture doesn't have that flexibility that I'm yeah. looking for um, and so that's why I've always identified and I always feel proud and I've always felt fulfilled by religion um, I think culture has been it's, it's been there it's in the backdrop um, especially in terms of weddings it materializes in in terms of you know just celebrations really I've seen culture but Today too, and even even the food that I eat, I think those two things are the main aspect of culture that I've experienced and that experience. But other than that, I I feel like everything else it revolves and centralizes about around being me being Muslim or being struggling to be the best person I can possibly be. That's cute. That's good. <laughs> I like that answer. Very um wholesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, you know yeah, when I people was... say wholesome, I was think gluten free. I don't know why. <laughs> I get you. I think of, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry, we're just digressing so much today. So much green tea talk, wholesome, green, yeah, all this. Save the planet. Save the planet, save the turtles. We don't have a YouTube channel, but I'm just saying. <laughs> and so I get what you're saying as well. Like, I'm, I was I was quite similar, but I think recently, because I think before I was like, yeah, I'm going to dismiss my culture 100%. Um, that was quite, that was very me during my teenage years, but I think over the last few years I've been quite, I've been tr- looking into my culture a lot more in terms mm. of my um, South Asian Bengali heritage. And I think the reason why I'm becoming more um, close to my cultural roots recently is because I recognize that uh, specifically Bengalis, we've had a lot of cultural, what's the word, um, shaming in t- within the South Asian community, I would think so at least. Could you elaborate? elaborate? Yeah. So I think a lot of um, I'm not gonna like point fingers at many. In particular other, we're not, not othering anyone. We're not othering so anyone. Just, yeah. But I do think there was an element of not of young millennial Bengalis not wanting to be Bengali, and in, in that can um, be seen in like just smaller things like uh, girls wanting to look like a different ethnicity or like being really flattered when someone tells them that they look Arab or something like that. Happens to Um, me all the time. I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, And just kind of losing your roots because you're kind of ashamed of it. And I recognize that that has been me for a really long time. I think that was me as well. I think a lot of us had this kind of identity crisis where we didn't want to be ourselves because uh, maybe we got made fun of speaking our language or Maybe, eating yeah. our food or like oh you're Bengali you like fish yeah, yeah fish All but you know like what I love fish and I don't care what people say I love I fish really, I really for a long time I was like ew fish I don't eat it but now I'm like wait fish fish is great fish is great <laughs> fish is great um, that is so stereotypical of us but it's great <laughs> we're growing up now <laughs> um, and also um, this uh, growth in me saying I want to be more in touch with my culture has to do with my degree as well because in my second year um, I started studying like Indian history and that got me into like South Asian history and then in my last year um, I did a module on again Indian history but a lot of it was very specifically Bengali reformers wow. yeah like That's I remember incredible. my exactly I remember my lecturer she's not even Bengali she's Indian and she was like um the British were afraid of Bengali superiority and intellect at the time, and therefore this happened and this happened and this happened. And I wrote essays on there, and I was just so passionate. And they were like my best essays because I was so interested in the topic. I just kept reading and reading into these topics, and it just got me really annoyed at how um, actually historically this um, 
effeminacy of Bengalis, this, you know, degradation of us has been going on since colonial times because of political reasons within the colonies, um, because we were in like pretty high up uh, roles at the time. And that's kind of seeped into our current day within, you know, British Bengalis, which is crazy to me. And I just wanted to start commemorating my ancestors for all the work that they had done and not be ashamed anymore. And that's what I'm trying to do, but man, I need to learn how to speak Bangla. It's so bad. Like, I, no, I think yours is really good. I can understand wait, everything. What? It's really you, I've never, you've never heard me I've speak. heard you on the phone. Wait, wait, to who? Probably your mum, I don't know. My after mom the does show. not. I speak English to my mum. I swear I've heard you speak Bangla. No, it's Lamisa. It's the Lamisa. Lamisa. Lamisa is so <laughs> succinct. I'm just like... <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, it's 100% Lamisa. My, my Bangla is really terrible. Like... I can't even have a conversation with my cousins. Yeah. Like, do you, do you have that thing where you can <clears throat> understand I can everything, under- but you can't speak it? Yeah, it, it so just mixes. It mixes up. Yeah, it's and, so and I don't know what it is though. But I find the Bengali I think we're just language- shy. I think like we just get really scared when we start saying yeah, it out loud. So it yeah. just oh, something messes up in there. But I feel like it's a hard language, anyways. To actually, it's actually mm. one of the. It's actually one of the hardest languages. Do you know what this thing about being Bengali is that um, you grew up watching Indian dramas, so you can understand Hindi and Urdu, Urdu because yeah. they sound really similar. And you grew up reading Arabic, so because you could read Arabic, you could even read a bit of Urdu. But then Bangla is not like any of them, so no, yeah. you can understand all of them, and nobody Yo, can understand you. You feel my pain, like yeah, honestly, yeah, it's so different. Even my mom, she was saying that like she has. She she um so we speak one dialect and the people in her school speak another dialect and sometimes Urdu has come out <laughs> because she, <laughs> because because she can't speak the posh version it's like okay. the posh version of the of Bengali and she can but she feels like she has more vocabulary in Urdu um, okay. in terms of that that dialect because there's a specific dialect that is really difficult for everyone to speak but our dialect of course she can speak that um my mom might shy me for saying that anyways <laughs> but but yeah i think i think with me i because i can actually read urdu i can actually kind of read urdu why <laughs> fluently why is it because of arabic no it's not because of that it's because i've um, always been interested in urdu poetry and so interesting like, yeah I, because literature poetry I love poetry, so yeah. the poetry has always been so profound for me, and I always like listening to it. It's really, really like I think it has so much depth to it. And I'm sure Bengali does as well. If I if I had that understanding, I'm pretty sure I would be able to delve in deeply into that as well. But yeah, I could read Urdu. Um, I can speak it a little bit, understand it fluently, and yes, yeah, because I'm really interested in literature. So language is something that um, I was really into Arabic as well at, at one point um, and I did do I did study Arabic quite formally and there was there was uh, a time that I could actually understand quite quite good Arabic but now I forgot but I have like like remits that I do understand so yeah language is something that I really I'm really interested in mm. I just feel like I feel like if I learn if I solely uh, put myself into that I'm really passionate about it um, I can learn the language but I think with Bengali I think it's because you have that feeling it's your language and if you say it wrong it's, you just feel a bit embarrassed yeah. you say it wrong and you feel embarrassed so I just feel like oh I just I'd like to not I really want to like be able to speak it but I just could never do it to my family because just, they know I just speak English and all start, the time they and they would start, start making fun of me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I want think to mess well, up I think it's quite difficult as well especially if all your family's like born here and are from here and all you do is speak you don't speak Bengali so it's it's really hard because like where do you practice because a lang- you know you're supposed to the best way to learn a language is by hearing people speak it 
and you know engaging with it yourself so if you don't have that dynamics and I'm not trying to uh, talk on behalf of my family because you know there are people that sleep on in my family but I'm saying generally you know the best way to learn language is through um, videos um, even like how you're saying TV dramas and stuff like that you know if if there was like Bengali shows perhaps with subtitles maybe I would have learned more maybe yeah I've seen them then they're not no? the most impressive <laughs> For the language. Okay, okay, fair enough. For the language. But yeah, I think me and Sadia are saying if there's anyone that wants to teach us Bengali. My mum would love to, but it would just... just It's it's so difficult. But, you know, I would actually, maybe like, maybe in the future, I do do Mm. want to see, I do want to have an understanding of it. Especially, I want to see Bengali poetry because poetry, I do really like looking at. Arabic poetry, I've like looked at it. Mm. I think it's very deep. It does have a lot, especially in terms of Arabic theology. grammar because a lot of words are have root words and you can manip- manipulate arabic words yeah. so it had so much depth on it and i really like that and all this quite similar not in terms of uh, having root words but in terms of just understanding it so I'm, I, I'm quite interested in how bengali derives from because bengali actually derives from hindi sorry we would say that for ages no one thing that i'm just like i'm so it's sorry really important for us to learn the languages because literally we've walked we fought and won a war over it yeah it's the, really the language itself was that important to our ancestors that we had to say no we're going to yeah. fight against Pakistan for this right to speak our language and here I am not being able to speak it it's quite it's quite shameful in a way and I really need to analyze that and you know my mom, if my mum's listening to this, she's going to lecture me later and be like, okay, if you really want to learn. You said it to the radio. <laughs> you said it to the radio, but are you going to do it? <laughs> Inshallah. Inshallah. So um, in terms of identity, we'll just keep going with that. Uh, if anyone else wants to um, text in and let us know what they think of identity, what is most important to them, how they kind of build up their identity. So in terms of, we're talking about we were talking about religion and culture, but what about relationships? So you, would you see yourself as much of a family person, a friend? Is that, would you put that in your identity or is it just, yeah, that's just what I am or? Is that, isn't that personality? And also interests as well. Like, would you call yourself a writer, like a, but are those aren't those like personality? I think they're a part of your identity as is well. Is personality, do you think personality and identity are intertwined? Kind of, but like in a sense, I'm a big sister. Like, it's part of my identity. I know if oh, I was a little sister, right. I would be a different person. I'm a little sister. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my mum's coming to pick me up, she says. That means she's probably in the car listening to this. Hi, Emma. Flexing kind here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in what ways have you kind of explored your identity then? Okay, to quickly summarise it, um, the ways I've explored my identity is investigating it really um in terms of, because i did say about religion so kind of learning about the religion mm. um in terms of culture again investigating by asking questions about okay what do you think about this um what happened in bangladesh the war etc etc i think that was my way of kind of finding my yeah. way through my identity yeah I but would i would say, say was... i think i have a more stronger understanding of my uh, is, um, yeah. islamic identity rather than my cultural identity i think there's so much more that i need to know mm. about my heritage rather than of yeah. course, religion has its place as well, and I do. I can always be learning, yeah. but I feel like I've always put more effort and invested yeah. myself in that. Yeah, but of course, it's more important to kind of build up this identity rather than just saying, creating a list of 
names and words. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at InspireFM Luton.